Hello, and welcome to Fuck Yeah, the podcast where we say fuck yeah to thruples, two-thirds of which are go-go boys. I'm Robin, one of your hosts. We have a few weeks left of our break, and while you wait, I have selected one of my favorite episodes from season one. This is an interview with my good friend Mike, who is a Pleasure Chest alum and just one of those people that always gives me just the best vibes. So I really hope you enjoy this episode. It's one of my favorites. It's one of our most lighthearted and funny episodes, in my opinion. So enjoy your week, and we will see you again soon with new season three episodes. I think we still have one more week of re-releases for you, and then we'll be back. Until then, you can find us on TikTok and Instagram and threads at fuck yeah pod, or you can email us at fyapod at gmail.com. And you can check out our website at fuckyapod.com. All right, I hope you enjoy this special re release with Mike Squillichotti. Seeing him with somebody else and seeing how much he's getting off on it just lifts me up. It just makes me feel so good for him and that I'm in this relationship that I can share him with other people and that he can share me. Hello and welcome to Fuck Yeah, the podcast where we say fuck yeah to thruples. I'm one of your hosts, Robin, here with my dark and mysterious co-host, Sarah. How are you, Sarah? It is quite moody, my lighting, isn't it? Yeah, we're recording into the late hours of the day, which is unlike us. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm doing okay. I have actually been sitting in this very spot since 6 a.m. this morning, which has been my whole week of starting work quite early. So I'm a little loopy, but I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, I don't like hearing that. I'm going to get you up and around. We work too hard. We all think that. (laughs) We all want you to work a little bit less. Um, Do you have any fuck yes this week? Yeah. The trade show season in the pleasure product industry just was upon us, which is like the weirdest time. Why, why do people do sex toy shows in January, right? As everyone is getting ready for Valentine's Day. Right. It it makes no sense. But I will say that there is this quality to the sex toy industry. It's such a small industry. And so it does kind of feel like a family reunion yeah. when you go back and see everybody. And because of COVID, it was a slower show this time, but that was great on my end because that meant I got time with people. Yeah. Like none of the vendors were too busy. So I got to really catch up with people and people have these ideas of the field of sexuality and sex toys and porn and that it is so on the fringe of society. Mm-hmm. And and we're just real normal people, you know, who like to share pictures of our kids. Right. Ooh and ah over the new wand vibrator. Fun Factory has a really cool wand vibrator. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. 
I do agree that there is an aspect to the industry, the people in the in- industry that is very normal. But it also, to me, it's a lot of weirdos also in like a nice way, like a lot of people that are kind of nerdy and or you have the permission to be a little more out there with your look Um, or, you know, there's definitely people in suits and clean shaven and all of that stuff. And the best part about it is that you can be at a convention that looks like any other trade show, except for the products are different, but you can talk about sex and sexuality like any old business. It's not that you're coming on to someone, nobody's awkward about it. It's just, there's this freedom to it that I love so much because I always accidentally go into spaces where you're not supposed to talk about sex and I fucking forget. Yeah. And then, you know, (laughs) the record scratches and a pin could drop and I'm just like, oh, whoops, I did it again. So I really love that space. There's this really nice feel to, I mean, there's, I miss this during the pandemic, those things that are seasonal mm-hmm. that help you kind of track time. And that is the feeling that I get when I go over to Burbank in January and in July, and I see people that I might only see that time of year mm-hmm. and a whole bunch of dildos everywhere yep all (laughs) the latest and the greatest (laughs) yeah the latest and the greatest and then the you know old classics too but it is it's like a nice kind of seasonal timekeeping thing that we all love right like that's what family reunions are about that's what those rituals that you have throughout the year are about and this is one of mine going to the sex toy trade show that's great oh hooray for sex toy trade shows I am super excited about our guest today, Mike, from that we know from the Pleasure Chest. I became very good friends with Mike from working with him on the floor. We were best friends on the floor. I looked forward to every shift that I had with him. All my favorite people I know from the sex industry, you know. Yeah, I have to say, I mean, we have a we've had a lot of people on that we know from the Pleasure Chest and it really is, I mean, so many people have tried to come in to that environment and create a reality show because yeah. it is such a fascinating world and the people yeah. who work there especially during our, you know, I was there for almost 12 years, like that period of time really, really interesting people. And I just have a feeling that this interview is going to be a lot of fun. I mean, that's what I love about Mike. He's one of the most fun, happy, joyful people that I know. He's a great storyteller. He's beautiful to look at. He's an Mm -hmm. all around wonderful person that I'm really happy is still in my life. I usually end up seeing him about once a year now that he lives in Palm Springs, but It's always such a pleasure. So I'm glad that we were able to grab him while he was in town and do an interview. So I guess we should get into it. Yeah, let's do it. I'm so excited to hear about his um, adventures. Oh my goodness, Mike. Welcome to Fuck Yeah. Thank you so much. It's good to be here. It's so good to see you. I swear you have not aged a day since I last I saw you. you. Thank you so much. That's amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much. Right back at you. I'm like, oh my gosh, look at you. What are what's in your water? <laughs> Forever an Adonis. Oh, please. Uh-huh. I, love that. Uh-huh. I appreciate it though. Thank you. 
<laughs> we got to really better you up here. a little. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. I'm a Leo, so I love all that. Compliments make me perfect. Oh, I forgot you two had the Leo connection. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We're, yeah. We're little kitten mates. We are. <laughs> So we usually start people off with some uh, rapid fire warm up questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. What was the last podcast you listened to? Oh, the last podcast I listened to. Um, oh, gosh. I think it was probably Sex Nerd Sandra's. It's been a while. Oh, oh wow. You haven't listened to it. So you were listening to it when it was yeah, when current. Yeah, it when it was current. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. it's been a while. What is your media of choice then? Are you a TV binger? Are you a book reader? Um, uh, yeah, my husband and I, yeah, my husband and I, we're TV guys. Okay, what's the last favorite show? Uh, Outlander. Oh, Ooh. Uh, yeah. yeah. You turned me on to that show. Yes. You were like, girl, yeah, you got to check this guy. This guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's amazing. It's gorgeous. Yeah. It's a good show. It's fun. It does a great job of objectifying him. Yeah. In a way that usually we see women objectified. And he is really like, there is Vaseline on the lens for him. Mm -hmm. He's, yeah. It's hot. Hot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> What's the last photo on your phone? The last photo on my phone? Oh, it's of a dog. I do oil paintings and I started doing uh, animal portraits. Oh, I saw you posted Aww. that. It was yeah. really cute little Thank white you. dog. Yeah, it's my boyfriend's dog. Hooray. Yeah. Aww. So, so yeah, uh, I've been doing animal portraits. So it's currently my sister's dog that I'm doing next. Really cute. Cute. Yeah. Who was your first celebrity crush? My first celebrity crush. Oh my gosh. Probably Zach from Saved by the Bell. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Um, either it's that so or for you. Either that or uh River Phoenix and Stand mm. By Me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I loved him in that movie. What do you think it is about them? They just the the boy, the boyness, you know. The hair. The hair. They have yeah. similar hair. They do have similar hair. Yeah. So I don't know, just all American. Very pretty. Yeah, very pretty. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did Leo uh, Leonardo DiCaprio do it for you? I feel like he's in that category at that time. Yeah. No, he never really did it for me. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I never really paid that much attention to him. I think because he was my first celebrity yeah. crush. Okay. And I think he has a little bit of like a, a little bit too much of a feminist in that stage. Yeah. Like he was more andro than the mm -hmm. other two, I think. Yeah. Not so much I anymore. Yeah. But back in the day. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. yeah. I just thought it was real pretty. Mm -hmm. What was your first mode of masturbation? Oh, my God. This one's a little embarrassing. I, um, My sister's younger than me, and I stole one of her arm floaties and used it on myself. <laughs> <laughs> and so I had, like, the first, you know, fleshlight, but it was, um, you know, made of rubber, and oh it worked. God. It was amazing. That is amazing. I remember you telling me that a long time ago. I was like, you invented your own fleshlight. Yeah. I used to have sex with her arm floaties. Oh, my God. So did you have to lubricate it? <laughs> um, I would just spit on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I knew. It. Yeah. I, I figured the spit out spit thing out a while. And how old know? do you think you were? Oh, God. I was probably like maybe like 12. Wow. And yeah. this was beforehand. Yeah. And does your sister know? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, she knows. <laughs> she was thoroughly grossed out by it. <laughs> when did you tell her? Like as an adult? As or? an adult. Okay, yeah. that's great. Mm-hmm. It, was it like at Christmas or something? You guys were just chatting? It, we're, we're a very close family. So when I started working at the Pleasure Chest mm-hmm. back in the day, I we really just talked a lot. It opened up my whole family to sex talk. And my mom confided in me and what she wanted, you know, going through menopause and oh, everything wow. like that. My dad liked butt stuff. And he told me about that. Wow. So um, <laughs> Was that so, surprising? It was surprising. Yeah, but I loved it. I just loved the open communication with yeah. my family. And I think I told my sister around that time that I had sex with her floaties. Wow. Yeah. Good time. Do I remember it correctly that you bought your sister's husband a fleshlight when she was pregnant? Yes. Good memory. Yeah. yeah really good memory. Yeah. Yes, wow. I did. Yeah. Those discounts at the pleasure chest were really, really good. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like half off. So. I feel like we've <laughs> supplied a lot of people with sex toys over the years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I had that experience too with my family or anybody that you tell them that you work at a sex shop, mm-hmm. immediately they start spilling their guts about all Absolutely. their sex stuff. It, even if they are family, it's just like, yeah. sometimes I'm like, dad, Yeah, (laughs) I don't know if I've ever told this story on the podcast. I don't think that I have, but my family did this whole thing when I started working at Babeland of hemming and hawing as to whether they were going to tell my grandmother that I was working Mm -hmm. in a sex shop. And my uncle and my grandmother came out to visit and my uncle and my mom came into the store and they did not bring Nana. And then before I got home from work, they had told her with after everyone had been like we're not telling nana we're not telling nana so i got home from work and she was mad at me what because they did not bring her to the sex shop (laughs) oh nana (laughs) and the fact that i had not told her and had not sent her a vibrator she was devastated and she put her order in right away oh got her a fun factory insertable and she her mind was blown she was like they only had veiny dicks when I was young. <laughs> wow. Oh, Nana. That's awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. No, it just opens up the conversation for anybody. Yeah. You we know, can... We're all sexual. So, yeah. And we can make some assumptions about older generations sometimes. Yeah. That aren't necessarily true That's just because they, they're tight lipped about it. Yeah. You know, we're a little more loose lipped. Yeah. Um, hey, so we all. I guess we should mention that we all know each other from the pleasure chest. Yeah. Right. And I remember working there and we had the same shifts most Mm -hmm. of the time. And it was so so fun to work on the floor with you. I mean, we were like, we were like BFFs on the floor. It was so great. But I remember it was like 13 years ago Mm -hmm. that we were talking about the kind of man that we wanted in our lives. Yes. And then we we manifested that night Mm -hmm. and then almost immediately. We got it. Yeah. And yeah. we're still with those. And we're still with those men. People. Yeah, yeah. We, like you're. You've been with Mike for like for thirteen years. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. we should specify that your husband's name is also Mike. Yes, my yes. husband's name is also Mike. Yeah. So and um, <laughs> and then I've I've been with Max for thirteen years yeah. now. So it's just it's an, amazing. Yeah, it's a very interesting connection, and mm-hmm. I'm just I'm wondering if you can tell us how you met your husband. So I met my husband through go-go dancing. Uh, I used to dance at Mickey's in West Hollywood from like 2005 to 2010. 
Nope. Yeah. And um, I worked at this clothing store before working at Mickey's. And I remember, you know, just making this like really horrible hourly wage and folding clothes all day. And so I, I hated it. I went to Mickey's and I saw the go-go dancers. And I just saw the lines of people. At that time, there really weren't a lot of go-go dancers. I think there was like 20 total for guys. In, and the, in a, all of West Hollywood? In all of West Hollywood. That's there was like it. Mickey's was one of the only bars that had go-go boys at the time. Like almost every night they would do it. So it was known as like the the go-go boy club. And so it's basically a club and then there's the boxes that yeah. you guys are dancing on. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and there would be like four guys a night. Right. Um, and you're getting tipped. And you're getting tipped. Yeah. Right. The, the club pays you a base. Yeah. Probably like around like 20 bucks an hour. And then, yeah, whatever you get on tips. Right. So it was great. Yeah. And I just noticed how many tips these guys were getting. And I was just floored by it. And I was like, why am I folding shirts all day. I could just be go-go dancing, you know? I mean, this is this is easy and I think I'd be good at it. So I auditioned, I got it, and I was doing it for years Wait, and just loved it. What's the audition like? Yeah. The audition was going there during the day when nobody was there and going up to one of the managers, this guy Dennis that worked there, and just getting down in your underwear and getting on a box and requesting a song and then they play oh. the song and you just start How dancing and yeah they, it is nerve-wracking but it was so I don't know I, I grew up a big nerd so it just felt really good to to feel good in my skin and like just to kind of show it off and and to be proud of who I was at this point in my life and so it was very freeing for me to be able to do that I loved it I loved so it so you were in your 20s yeah, when I started. Right. Yep. And then had you gotten into dancing? Like, were you dancing as a kid? And I always I always danced, like, yeah. you know, just as you do, like in your room and whatnot. And I would always go out to you know, dance clubs with my friends and whatnot. So, I'd so you just did there. your club moves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I got the job and I loved go-go dancing. It was one of my the best jobs I've ever had. It was so much fun. And so I met Mike because I was working back in 2009. I was dancing one night and he came up to me. And what stood out to me was that not only was he cute, he was shaking like a leaf. He was terrified of me. Just terror. And you could just see it in his face. He was so scared. It's nice quality in a man. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you know, he wasn't cocky and he wasn't um, creepy. He was just really genuinely sweet. You could just see it immediately. And he had a 20. I remember that. And I remember... I, I think my first sentence to him was something along the lines of, for a 20, you can grab it. Wow. I mean, really not romantic at all. Just <laughs> took the romance right out of it. It's a good opening line. It's a good opening line. But yeah, it's not, you know, you can't tell your parents that. I tell them that we met through friends. That wasn't your story at the wedding? <laughs> no, it wasn't. No. Was that something that you said to all the patrons who walked up with a 20? No, I was one of the sluttier dancers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I definitely made a lot of money with showing off those assets. I would always fluff beforehand so and put on a cock ring. So everything was really, you know, fluffed up and kind of <laughs> out there for people to like, you know, see underneath my underwear anyway. I would sell so many cock rings at the pleasure chest telling people that this is what the go-go boys do yeah they they wear these so they look bigger and yeah. they're and they stay erect and they stay erect yeah yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. pro so, tip <laughs> yeah so mike didn't take me up on it though he he denied the grabbing uh and just slipped it inside my underwear oh, and walked away and i saw him when he walked away i saw him chug his beer when he got back over to his friends and they were all like giving him pats <laughs> on the back and 
I just remember being like, really, it was just so cute. You just don't see that very often. So that was that was my the first time I met him. And then he was one of my I was dating another guy at the time. So um, I just wanted to keep it as friends with Mike, you know, because he just kept on coming in as a regular over and over and over and over again just kept on showering me with 20s. And I just, you know, he was just the cutest, sweetest guy and, you know, giving me all this attention and money. And I was just like, oh, my God, you know, he's next level. And then, yeah, my relationship with my ex ended. This was eight months later from meeting Mike. And he said one of the nicest things anybody's ever said to me. I remember him saying, you know, I know you're going to want to probably play the field and be single for a while, but when you decide that you want another relationship, I want to be front row center. Wow. And nobody had ever said that to me before. It was the most, it was so sweet. And we've already developed this friendship. So I remember just being really just thinking to myself, you know, you're not going to find somebody like this, you know, somebody that just is giving you his heart. There's no game. And so we, we hooked up and the, the sex was amazing. And so then from there, I was like, okay, we have the sex. We've got the friendship. I want to, I think I want to date you. Like, I think let's, let's do this. And my best friend at the time, uh, it was still my best friend really, but he was really against me uh, getting into another relationship. So shortly after break, breaking up my, with my ex and he was just, didn't want to meet Mike at all. And I forced him to, I was like, you have to meet him. He's special. Just meet him. And my best friend after meeting Mike was like, I think I just met your husband. Oh. And I remember, and this was somebody who didn't even want me to like date him. He was like, just be single, damn it. You know? And I was like, okay, all right. All right. Just meet him. Just meet him. I, I really like him. And said that, and I was like, okay. And then the rest is really history. Uh, that's a great. That's a great that meet, meet a great cute. Story. Yeah, it was cute. It was cute. The same, you know, that the best friend uh, compares us to that movie Pretty Woman because I was uh. more of the slut, <laughs> the whore, and Mike was like this. He's, you know, he was a really uh, big lawyer at the time, so he's just completely opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes down to like life choices. <laughs> Yeah. You know, I, he was very serious and put together and I was very free and open. And, you know, I think he really was attracted to that openness and, and I was really attracted to how grounded he was. Yeah. Well, you're also just describing that for you, go-go dancing was so empowering and like mm-hmm. moving your body and owning your sexuality. And I do think that there is something that's really magnetic about that when people really are in their bodies and just expressing from that embodied place. And so, I mean, I was going to ask you, like, what is the etiquette around asking a go-go dancer out? But it sounds like Mike really courted you. He courted me. Yeah. He was always a familiar face in the crowd with this huge smile. Just never was like, you know, you're better than this. Never said things like that to me. Never said, you know, you deserve more than this or like loved what I did, celebrated what I did, was just my biggest fan from the beginning. Wasn't judgmental. And, you know, as a go-go boy, you do, you get judged. People think that you're Mm. stupid, dumb, just there for looks. He just was genuinely just one of the sweetest most kindest people and just no judgment was just very wonderful from the beginning so yeah he he killed me with kindness he did (laughs) yeah the etiquette for for that worked for me was just constantly showing up always having a smile being kind being sweet being vulnerable 
And it sounds like really respecting what you were doing too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And really respecting what I was doing and just, yeah, being a big fan. He loves go-go boys and strippers, (laughs) go-go dancers. Uh, The community. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, He loves all those people. Yeah. He loves sex workers. (laughs) I mean, what is the experience of being a go-go dancer and interacting with, I mean, like it sounded like there was a lot that you got out of it. Mm-hmm. But what was that day-to-day experience like having to deal with people who really just viewed you as a sex yeah, object? Like being looked at as a sex object was a compliment for me, to be honest. Like, I, I, I loved it. I kind of embodied it. I flaunted it. I flirted with it. I, you know, knew my angles. I knew my lighting. Mm-hmm. You know, and you just show off what you show off. You grab what you want to grab when you, you, for me, a lot of it was eye contact. You make a lot of eye contact with the crowd because, you know, you're elevated. So I felt like the host of the party and you brought the energy to the room. You had that ability to really uh, showcase kindness and acceptance and smile at people. And it's not hard to compliment somebody. You could find anything on anybody and say, Oh, I love this about you. You know, that's a nice shirt. I mean, at the least you can compliment what they're wearing. I mean, so, but I complimented something on everybody just smiled and I was kind and people really loved it. Yeah. I I would say I was one of the more popular guys because not only was I a slut, you know, I was really uh, showing off everything (laughs) and not really holding anything back. I was always flashing my penis and I was flashing my my ass. <laughs> I love it. And everybody loved that. That was always fun. I did shower shows where I got completely naked and a lot of guys wouldn't get naked and I always loved getting naked. So yeah, I was popular for that, but I was also, I think, popular because people, I think, genuinely really liked me and felt that when they walked into the club that they had a friend because, you know, working uh, as a go-go boy for five years, you know, it, you were, you're popular, you know, like people just recognize you from go-go dancing. So they look at you as their friend. They look at you as somebody they want to come up to and hug and get that energy from. And it was so rewarding. I love that, that way of being, especially, you know, gay and queer spaces mm-hmm. are there to really be welcoming to yeah. people that often aren't being welcomed in other spaces Absolutely. and that you have that kind of attitude is, is like a really beautiful, like yeah. exchange of energy that you're having with people. Mm-hmm. Like you're being adored, mm-hmm. you're adoring them back. We're yeah. all here. We're having a great time. Mm-hmm. You know, I really love that. Without sounding cheesy. It really is just all about like love, you know, just giving people <laughs> just some some love in their life you know giving them a hug giving them a smile giving them kindness it's contagious and people walk away with that smile on their face you know and they pass it to the next person so yeah yeah it's really nice that's great you had that ability when you were a go-go boy to really kind of change the room you know and make it make it fun and you know add some sex to it i'm curious how much you typically brought home a night Typically, I'd bring home about 500 a night. Nice. My best night, I brought home 1,300. Nice. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it's still like that because every club now has dancers and go-go boys and girls. So back then, again, it was, it was, I think there was fewer of us. And so. It was the heyday. Yeah, yeah. It was the studio 54 of go I know. <laughs> um, it was amazing. I, I don't know if you remember this, but when you started at the Pleasure Chest, I think I must have been training you because we were definitely out on the sales floor and it was very early on. And I just remember meeting, like you have this just 
glowing smile. You are really oh. such a kind spirit and you yeah. emanate yeah. that. And we're like, what? We're doing some training, some product training. And you point over at the card wall and you go, that's my dick. <laughs> yeah, I, I did some. I work. probably did some very sheepish. Like, that's nice, dear. <laughs> I didn't know how to respond. Yeah, um, so it all makes sense now. How you yeah. got into some modeling from your work as a go-go dancer? I but did. I'm, just, yeah. I'm curious how that happened, and also like what that whole experience was like. <laughs> Yeah, people felt very comfortable coming up to uh, the dancers and asking them for, you know, a bunch of things, photo shoots being one of them. And I went to one photo shoot once where it was at some guy's house and he wasn't, uh, he was no, he was a nobody, you know, I mean, he wasn't doing anything. He just wanted to take pictures of me. And I was like, halfway through the shoot. And I was like, Ooh, this is kind of weird. Mm. <laughs> like, what am yeah. I doing? <laughs> yeah. You know, and this guy's gonna have photos of me forever. And I didn't even know where they were going. So I, you know, you kind of learned as you did it. Yeah. This one guy showed me his portfolio, told me that it was going to be, you know, this much money for the weekend of shooting. And I did three calendars and two birthday cards and a couple of different magazines, like for men's health and uh, some other of those gay, you know, rags that are out in West Hollywood. It was a good photo shoot. Pleasure just stocked my card. Yeah, you <laughs> so, sold your card. <laughs> yeah. I bought one of them. Mm -hmm. I have it somewhere. Yeah. So. Like, oh, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> so it was fun. It was, that was a good time. Yeah. You got a lot of opportunities. I remember uh, you would also obviously get people coming in that wanted you for the night, you know, wanted to see if they, if you were able to have sex for money and whatnot. And I never, I didn't go there. I was always a little too nervous to take it to that point. So I would go back upstairs and tell the other dancers, you know, there's a guy down there that wants to pay this much for an experience. And, you know, half of them would run downstairs and find him. Right. Once so, again, spreading the love. Yeah, exactly. So, exactly. Was it typically a light, fun experience being a go-go boy? Or did you ever feel unsafe? Or did people cross lines with you? Yeah, it was genuinely a, like a fun experience overall. I was very lighthearted. And, you know, my friends were go-go boys and we'd always work out together. And so it was a really nice, relaxing, chill lifestyle. Was but, it a community feel? Yeah, it definitely was. Um, but yeah, I remember this one guy one time wanted to take a picture with my ass right in his face. And so his girlfriend backed up, was taking the picture. And right as he got really close to my ass, he bit it really oh. hard, bit my ass cheek really hard, mm. really hard. And it left a mark there for a while. And it was just awful. I was like, what are you thinking? Biting somebody. It was so awful. He didn't break the skin, but it was hard. And then another time, the only time that this happened, thank God, but I was wearing white underwear and I was go-go dancing and somebody put a crisp dollar bill in my crotch area and squeezed my, uh, my junk. And mm -hmm. I did feel a little pinch. I started dancing and didn't really think much of it. And then I saw everybody's face in the crowd change and they were looking like disgusted and worried. And I looked down and I had like a big pool of blood. Oh like, my God. Like in my underwear because... I had a paper cut that like was like an inch like across oh. the head of the head oh. of my the head of my dick. Yeah, just a huge paper cut from this from the money. Oh. And, and do you bleed more when you have a cock ring on? Oh, for oh. sure. 
yeah. is trapping all the blood. Oh. So it just was a lot of blood it's and like some when your white underwear. Bleeds. Exactly. It's just like everywhere. Oh, no. And then also, I was out of work for like a while, like a week. But also, like, it's money and also mm-hmm. a violation of the yeah. code of conduct and your bodily autonomy. Like, yeah. that's pretty fucked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, was, that wasn't a good time. Um, I did get roofied once. That was scary. Uh, oh. I was, I just started my shift and I had, uh, my vodka Red Bull on the side of the stage. It was a larger stage and that took up this whole wall. And so I didn't have my eye on my drink at all. And I finished the drink and immediately knew something was wrong because I, my legs were giving out and I couldn't function. I was, I was losing it. So I went up to the security guard and I said, something's wrong with me. I think somebody slipped me something. And he, as we were going up the stairs to the break room, I was losing the feeling in my legs completely. And so for the rest of the shift, I was immobile upstairs, understanding what was going on around me, completely aware, but unable to talk, unable to move. It was so scary. It was awful. Mm -hmm. And it was off of, you know, just having one drink. And so I knew that obviously that drink had been spiked. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah, it was, it was awful. Scary. It was scary. But I was safe. I got so roofied I- once and it was a very similar experience. We were out at a club. I was like 19 traveling Europe. Maybe I was 20. And our last stop was London. And we had like one night left. I mean, I think we'd been traveling for like four weeks And my friend and I were out with her friends. Like we were in a pretty big group with a mixed group of men and women. And I lost hours. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't remember getting from the bar to the bathroom, but I remember being in a bathroom stall and not being able to move, not being able to do anything. And the club closed and my friends were looking for me and didn't know where to find me. And eventually they did find me in the bathroom stall And then I slept for like 18 hours. My friend told me that she kept coming and checking on me to make sure I was still breathing because I was like sleeping the sleep of death, like just completely immobile. And I woke up the next day like I, I just lost basically a whole day. Oh, that's so scary. Yeah, that's so scary. So you've been with your husband for over a decade now. I have, yeah. And the two of you have recently started seeing someone. We have. Yeah, it's been amazing. <laughs> it's literally been like the one of the highlights of my life as of late. Um, do you call it a thruple? We do call it a thruple. Yeah. So cute. Um, okay, so how did you meet your boyfriend? We met him through go-go dancing. <laughs> he, was, he, was, <laughs> he was go-go dancing in Palm Springs. You know, working at the pleasure chest early on, I gave Mike the yes, no, maybe quiz. We used that and I knew that threesomes and open communication and non-monogamy stuff was all cool with Mike. He told me years ago that one of his hall passes was this guy named Dakota Payne, who uh, is one of his favorite porn stars. And so didn't really think much of it because I don't really watch porn. So cut to... Easter weekend of last year, he tells me that Dakota is go-go dancing in Palm Springs and can we go and see him? And I was like, absolutely, let's go see him. Not thinking anything of it. We go to see him and he's just 
stunning. Like he's just completely my mm. type of guy. He's just, he's like a magnet, just absolutely beautiful and smiling, just really emanating everything that we talked about, just, you know, in this podcast about just but giving was up. Was he as good of a go-go dancer as you are? I think he was. Yeah. He was pulling, <laughs> he was pulling out all the stops. He had, wow. he had a nice, like fluffed dick and he was <laughs> he was grabbing on it and he was making all the eye contact and winking at people and saw us and when he saw us he immediately jumped off the box and came right over to me and I said uh you know we came here for you and he goes you came here for me and we were like yeah we came here for you and uh he goes can I kiss you just immediately wow. and I was like yeah you can kiss me so him and I started to kiss and I said, you know, can you kiss my husband like that? And so he turned around and he gave Mike the same kiss. So throughout the night, and Mike we're, is dying. And right? Mike like, is just dying, dying. dying. <laughs> like Mike came up to me a little bit later because he was following Dakota around like a little puppy, like a little puppy. It was yeah. the cutest thing. And he goes, can I be his fluffer tonight? You know, because go-go boys have fluffers. And <laughs> wait, Okay, wait, 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 wait. All right. Tell me, like, did you have fluffers? Of course. Yeah. Okay, tell me about yeah, the, yeah, fluffer. The, the fluffer. Yeah, yeah, the fluffers uh, were usually the other go-go boys, so it was a little incestuous because, oh, <laughs> because you know, but they're all cute guys, right. so so it was easy to get fluffed and fluff. And uh, is it hands coworkers. or is it mouths? It was, it was hands. Sometimes it was mouths, um, but you you know got the job done when you were erect, and then you just tied it off and said thanks, and then walked back downstairs and started flaunting it. I sort of got I get. <laughs> I get so jealous of gay men sometimes. I'm like, what is this world you live in? Like, it's, it's just, it's, that's beautiful. Okay, please oh, yeah. go ahead. Go oh, ahead. It's fun. Mike was like, can I, can I fluff him? And I was like, absolutely, you can fluff him. So Mike was his. <laughs> so fluffer. you're feeling no, you're feeling no negative feelings about this. No. You're excited for I'm Mike. Excited. You're just mm -hmm. like, this is so great. This is his hall pass. His dreams are coming true. You should see him. He is a very uh, shy, serious, very level-headed, grounded man. And he was like a schoolboy. I mean, he just looked and just, just you could see that he was feeling like he was like 17 years old again, like his first mm -hmm. crush, you know? And seeing that and feeling that from the guy that I love so much just lifted me up so much like I just was so happy for him and feeling like this because I knew it was it's so rare you know we'd been together for that point 12 years and I was and I'd never seen him like this before ever in 12 years I'd never seen him so and, and ga -ga. since he met you yeah I feel yeah, like yeah. a lot of people would feel jealousy around that mm -hmm. but do you just feel so secure in the relationship I feel very secure in the relationship yeah without sounding too cocky I really feel like Mike would be completely lost without me <laughs> <laughs> said like a true leo right? <laughs> are you a naturally non-monogamous person naturally i think i am a non-monogamous person i grew up with always thinking that monogamy was you know the way to go but then as i became an adult and just kind of started 
don't know, having gay relationships and being cheated on and then having moments of cheating and just having it feel so horrible and just that it just takes so much away from you and it, the guilt just eats you alive. I never wanted that in my marriage. So from the beginning, again, with the yes, no, maybe questionnaire, we really kind of laid it out that if we were going to be together forever, you know, which was the goal, that non-monogamy was probably the most realistic for like the mm -hmm. both of us mm -hmm. because um, rather than put all of those parameters around what we can and cannot do just kind of just take it as it comes and just be very open with communication and there had been times you know where I've been feeling somebody at you know a bar and stuff and I'd ask Mike if I could go up and kiss him and talk to him and flirt you know and Mike was like absolutely do it so Mike always kind of gave me that leeway. And so I would have those moments of crushing on somebody all over again and kissing a new guy. And it was a lot of fun, you know, but this Dakota was our first real threesome of, of us really being into the same guy. We had one threesome before him. That was really a drunken mess. <laughs> and it just, it, I really look at it as not counting because we were both so drunk and messy so it was not good. It was not a good experience. But Dakota was different. He was some, something that we both uh, really wanted. And so when he came over the next day, it was really like just perfect. You know, there was no jealousy. There was no, you can and can't do this. It was just everything was you can. You can do that. You can do that. So do you have any rules within the relationship? We really don't. Like at first I was a little jealous of them hanging out one-on-one. -on -one. Um, and I had to kind of check myself on that because Mike is such an amazing person on his own. And I think that sometimes bonding does come from one-on-one. -on -one. Right. And so I wanted him and Dakota to bond and they have a connection um, completely on their own. Like what Mike brings to the table is completely different than what I bring to the table with Dakota. So I respect what Mike is giving to him. And then do you and Dakota do one-on-one? -on -one? Yeah. And, you know, I think there is sometimes little hints of FOMO, mm -hmm. you know, where you're like, oh, what am I missing out on here? You know, but we're a team. Mike and I are a team. And so what's good for him is good for me. It works in that, in that way of you can put your jealousy aside because you know that his intentions are to court and do what, do what he did to me with Dakota. And I, and I love that because it's so special. It's so sweet. It feels so good. And I want Dakota to feel that because he deserves it. He's just such a wonderful guy. So what is your relationship with Dakota like? Because Mike seems to be, you know, doing his Mike thing and yeah. being very sweet and courting and adoring. Yeah. So what's the go-go boy to go-go boy kind of relationship like? Yeah. Him and I are, we're big stoners for one. Uh -oh. so, <laughs> so we we get, we, we, we definitely get stoned together and that's a lot of fun. You know, him and I really get deep together. Like Mike doesn't really talk about the depths of, of, of life and, and getting into, I don't know, he, him and I just have a different, and, and we're both very sexual people. So we have, we have that, you know, we've got this amazing sexual chemistry and just very supportive. Like I'm an artist and he's mm -hmm. an artist. He's the most incredible artist. He's a singer songwriter. He's not doing porn anymore, but he does drag. He makes all of his own costumes and he's just so, he's so inspiring to watch. Yeah because he is such an artist and he's a working artist on top of it. He inspires me to keep on doing my art. And that's something special that I think him and I share together is that creative side. 
That's sweet. Yeah. And then what's the relationship like when it's the three of you? It's really wonderful. Dakota's really attentive, which it, it's he's he's very touchy feely, always has his hand on one of our legs or he's always kissing one of us. And he's just very affectionate and very sweet. Uh, Mike is very affectionate and very sweet. And so am I. So it's really just a kind of a big love fest. Wow. It really is. It's just, it's, it's, you know, Mike and I have always had a really good sex life. So I'm very lucky for that. Him and I one-on-one are good, but with Dakota in the picture, it has amplified everything. Right. So passion is just deeper and it's just, it's just a lot more. It's, it's, I'm getting the butterflies you know, even for Mike, again, that sometimes dissipate in long-term relationships, seeing Mike have sex with Dakota and being a part of that and seeing them both just so into it uh, turns me on so much, you know, knowing that this is my husband's like dream come true. And then also, I mean, I definitely manifested this whole thing as well because I did want more sex, you know? That's the one thing is that we do have good sex, but I wanted more sex. And so now I'm having more sex, you know? And (laughs) so I I got, yeah, I just kind of got everything I wanted. It really seems so magical. I'm really happy for you. (laughs) you. God damn. (laughs) It's pretty amazing. It's like you're describing non-monogamy as kind of like a tool in your relationship toolbox. Yeah. Right. That you're both open to mm-hmm. from your yes, no, maybe list forever ago. Yeah, exactly. That has just helped to keep your sexuality at the forefront of the relationship. Mm-hmm. Which was always so important. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and sometimes it can be easier, or at least I'll speak for myself. When I'm engaging sexually with my partner, making it through some of the challenges that just come up in life. Mm-hmm. and the conflict that naturally comes up, it is easier for me to navigate. Like I have more of a softness yeah. towards Andrea because we, more so than any relationship I've been in, because yeah. we have stayed really committed to being in a sexual relationship with each other and like neither of us is really willing to sacrifice that. Yeah. But I'm curious, like, what is the structure of the relationship? Is it something where you imagine a future together? Like is Dakota at your house with you or is it more kind of like a date night experience that you all have together? Yeah. Does Dakota have relationships outside of your relationship? Like, yeah, yeah. He came into this. I know we have to know everything. <laughs> I know. He, came, he came into this. He no longer does porn, but he came into our relationship as a very like accomplished porn star. So he was, you know, having sex for his work. And so the non-monogamy on his end was almost like a given right away. And I think he even said monogamy is just not for me. It's something that I can't do. And we were like, fine with that. We were absolutely okay. You know, like just, I love that you're putting it all out on the table, just being 100% honest with what you want. And then it's up to us to navigate if that's okay with us, which it was. Free love is, is definitely like a, a lifestyle for him. And he does it so well because he gives us everything that we want. He lives in LA and we live in Palm Springs. So when we do see him, it's like a, it's like a date night, you know, like he comes out every other week. We come here in between that. So we see him like almost once a week for days at a time. And it's special every time. It 
makes us so excited, you know, to be with him and to see him and have him come and stay with us. But yeah, he has his own life in LA, you know, that I don't, I question, I, I can ask him about it and he'll tell me. Um, but I do think that he has uh, other relations outside of us and I'm perfectly fine with it. But you guys have these little events once a week, yeah. basically, where it's just a love fest. Yeah. Hang out. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Smoke your weed. Yeah. The three of us. Have deep talks. Yeah. And then back home. And then back home. Yeah. Yeah. And then we all do our own thing again. And then we meet up and we talk every day. The communication is always there, but we're all going on a gay cruise in three weeks. Oh my God. The three of us (laughs) (laughs) to the Caribbean. You're going to get eaten alive. (laughs) In the best way. I have the same exact feeling and I'm okay (laughs) with it. I know he is going to, because he is cute to boot like he's gonna get mauled and i think he's a he's a very well-known porn uh star so he's oh. gonna bell just, of the ball he's gonna be the bell of the ball and so i'm ready for it i'm gonna have to keep my jealousy intact you know just uh kind of but all... i i think that method that you have or that point of view that you have where you are just enjoying the attention that he gets or enjoying other people getting attention from him and the adoring nature at all. Mm -hmm. That seems like a great method. Yeah. 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 And that you're, I mean, that's a key part of it. It's like, and then, and then I get to see him not on the cruise. Yeah. These guys just get him on the cruise, you know, and this is a fun, exciting addition to our thruple. Yeah. Now it's like, he's done nothing but compliment my life and Mike's life. Um, so yeah, the, the jealousy, it, it creeps in every now and then there's no question. And that whole kind of wanting your cake and eating it too, where you want to have somebody all to yourself and, you know, not share and whatnot. It, it's really kind of just taken a back seat because that's just not our relationship, you know? So I know this and that's been so healthy for me with this whole thing is just letting it all go has been wonderful. Do you think that the jealousy comes from insecurity or is it a different spot? Yeah, I think that like the insecurity of it is, um, will he find, you know, like, will he find somebody that he likes better than me? Will this, will this dissipate? Will he want to have something special completely on his own one-on-one will he change everything that he's told us that he wants? And, you know, like in the sense of, I want to be with this one guy. I don't, I don't foresee that, but I think that's something that I worry about because he's just been so wonderful for us that to lose that would, would, you know, it would break my heart. Like I, uh, getting into any relationship when you are putting yourself out there and you finally like drop the game and you're like, okay, I really like you it's scary Mm -hmm. because you're like giving this part of you up that is open for pain, you know, like Mm -hmm. you're, you're no longer blocking that. But you know, monogamy doesn't stop that from happening either. At any moment, people could decide to not participate in your life anymore, Exactly. whether or not you're in a monogamous relationship. So it's kind of just, I guess, being a little more open and honest about that. Yeah. It is. And that's refreshing. It's just so nice just to have that out on the table, just plain and simple and understood. And he, again, like, it's not like I'm wanting for anything. He gives us everything and more that we could have ever, ever asked for. You're really living in abundance right now. I am. Yeah. yeah. A dick. I know. Right. I know. And it's all, honestly, I can round it all back to go-go dancing. 
I met Mike through go-go dancing. I met Dakota through go-go dancing. It's just, it's really changed my life. <laughs> well, and not to sound cheesy, but you kind of met yourself too. And I met myself. Because yeah. you have always described to me your childhood and particularly your teenagehood as yeah. being really awkward yes, and very rough. struggling, having friends and, yeah. and feeling good about yourself. And it's like yeah. you really blossomed mm -hmm. through go-go dancing yeah 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 speaking of like saved by the bell um i was <laughs> i was screech oh my god yeah i was the, i was the nerd yeah. like growing up and all throughout like you know my teenage years were rough yeah so oh, to be is not how i met you <laughs> no 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 so when all that changed in my 20s i flaunted it i loved it yeah. and did it change when you moved out to la too it did yeah 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 it really i it changed when i when i moved out to california in general i moved to san francisco first and you know became myself in san francisco really just owned it all and and then la was just came into my sexual awakening in la yeah, I think that that's such a queer story, yeah. you know, because that was my experience, too, of just being like a very non-sexual person. Like people mm -hmm. who knew me in my early, like my teen years and my early 20s when they found out that like I work in the field of sexuality now, they're like, what? Mm -hmm. That is, and, and it, you know, sometimes it just takes us longer to find mm -hmm. it because it's mm -hmm. just not the path that's laid out for us. Yeah. I think what a lot of people struggle with is seeing their partner actually with somebody else or seeing their partner be really into somebody else. That turns me on so much. Yeah. Yeah. That turns me on so much because I just, I don't, I think sharing is caring. It's really <laughs> one of those things that, <laughs> that seeing him with somebody else and seeing how much he's getting off on it just lifts me up. It just makes me feel so good for him and that I'm in this relationship that I can share him with other people and that he can share me because yeah. Let's face it, like I, I want to be shared. You know, I definitely want to have other experiences in, in my life with other guys. And so he, he allows that. Dakota was working at this club in LA at Precinct downtown. And he warned us before he got there. He was like, just so you know, I'm working tonight. I'm going to be in a jockstrap. I'm going to be a slut. And I, we were like, okay, like go be a slut. Go have fun, you know? So cut to... I'm the one who's making out with multiple people. <laughs> I got my dick sucked on the dance floor. I was such a whore. And Mike got annoyed at me. He got really kind of pissed. And he was like, oh, I just wished you could just kind of keep it a little classier. <laughs> like, what the hell? You know, I'm watching you like get your dick sucked on the dance floor. This is ridiculous. <laughs> and Dakota said the cutest thing. He goes, babe, you can't have one dog off leash and the other one tethered. Oh, and, and so, and he was right. And Mike, it just switched everything around. And Mike was like, I guess that's fair. You know, he was like, yeah, if I could do it, he could do it. So let him go. Like, oh, Dakota. Yeah. He totally <laughs> was on my side. And I was like, thanks, babe. <laughs> <laughs> and so all was forgiven because, Poor you know, Mike. Dakota, <laughs> yeah, because Dakota just shut him down. Yeah. It's like, well, Dakota's up there being a slut. Yeah. And he, I don't even think he was. I yeah. think I think I was the slut that night, but yeah, so it was cute. It oh. works. 
Well, thanks so much for sharing all this with us. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's, it's been so a much real fun. treat. Thank you for having me. Do you want people to find you at all on socials or anything? I don't or... really have any socials like to follow. I mean, I'm on Instagram as Mikey Squill, you know, S-Q-U-I-L-L, you know, is my is half of my last name. So I do paintings, I do oil paintings, and you know, it's just kind of following my my life and my husband and my little thruple. Oh. So yeah. <laughs> Cute. You need yeah. to create a social handle for your thruple so we can yeah. all live vicariously. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be a lot of cruise pictures, which I'm very excited about. So there's going to be a lot of looks. Oh, I can't wait. Mm-hmm. I can't wait. When do you go? We go in three weeks. Oh, that'll be fun. Yeah. I'm excited for Me you. Too. Where are I'm you going? Excited. Or does it not matter? We're going to the Caribbean. Ah. Yeah. Stop it. So you're you're flying? We're flying to uh, Fort Lauderdale. Okay. Yeah. And then hanging out there for a day and meeting his sister. She lives in Florida. And then, uh, and then, yeah, going on the cruise. He's like, these are my boyfriends. Yeah. These are my boyfriends. Yeah. She knows all about us. I told my family about it. My mom couldn't wrap her head around the whole thing. She's like, so you have a special friend. And I was like, yes, we have a special friend. And she's like, okay. I mean, like so freaked out by it. Well, mom, but I told them I'm really proud of it. So that's sweet. Yeah. It'll be fun. All right. Well, thanks so much. It was really good to catch up. Yeah. Thanks for having me again. It was fun. Wow, Sarah. What a pleasure. I really enjoyed that conversation. Fun. I feel like there might be a lot of giggling in this episode. Yeah. I learned a lot. I mean, I had heard of Fluffers, but I didn't know that that's behind the scenes Go-Go Boys. Oh, gosh. I, you know... I felt like an old lady because he said fluffer and I was like, oh, he's just going to be his helper for the night. (laughs) Like I like lost my like sex savvy brain for a minute. And then he was describing that, no, it is keeping their dick hard. And I was like, oh, right, right, right. Get it together, Sarah. (laughs) It's like when Mike, when I'm training him and he turns over to the car. Yeah. That's my dick. And I was like, and he's so disarming because Mike really is just like, he has this boyish quality to him. Yes. Very sweet face. He's so, and hopefully it came through the interview that you can just feel that kind of light and sweetness. He's just a very genuine person. Yeah. So it's his confidence and his sexuality in that sense, is somewhat disarming. It's He's just so sweet. Yeah. And I love that. I mean, we've talked extensively privately about his childhood and being a teenager and being so painfully awkward and being gay in a smaller town and everything. And I just love that he really came into his own and really blossomed through go-go dancing. When he described being in his late 20s and that he was finally in a place where he could really own his sexuality and so his natural step was to do go-go dancing yeah I was like wow that there's something miraculous about that like that was his path to liberation yeah and that his go-go dancing was sort of an extension of his coming out process And then his approach to it was that he also felt a responsibility to the people in the space to make them feel seen and 
loved and worshipped. And joyful. Yeah, spreading the joy. And it's like, this is the thing that is really special about queer spaces, about any space where marginalized people are coming together is that it's just like, I see you. Yes. Why like that cult, like club culture is so important to us Mm -hmm. because we need that space to just express unadulterated joy. Yes. Yes. And acceptance, joy in your sexuality, total acceptance of it to the point where you're celebrating it. It's basically a celebration of being, you know, big old homos. And it's so nice. I just, and I, it's really, I I appreciate that so much about gay spaces. It's important on so many different levels. And like as a pro-dom, it was a very straight space. Occasionally women would come in to see me, but it was almost always in that, you know, older man, younger woman situation. I know a lot of people that have been strippers in straight spaces and everything. And the feel of it is just so different. I mean, I had community at the dungeon. I had empowerment. I feel like I came into my own in that space. And I know strippers who really love their jobs, Mm -hmm. but there's a different dynamic entirely between you and the clients when it's in a hetero space. And I just, I do have this kind of, it's not like a, it's a little bit of a FOMO type of thing towards particularly like gay male spaces that I just, you can't be a part of that. I just can't be a part of it. And it sounds so joyful, you know, and free. He was sort of describing as just like this, you know, when sex drive kind of overrides a lot of those conditioned responses of jealousy and those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Like I have a little bit of like, oh, wouldn't that feel so nice to have? Yeah. But there's also this like leveling because you're describing like, you know, a space where women, predominantly like cis femme women are stripping mm-hmm. or like cis mask dudes. Yeah. There's a reinforcement of the patriarchy and mm-hmm. the oppressive power dynamics. Right. But when you're talking about a space like he's describing there is this like leveling of the power dynamics and actually he sort of challenged some of my understanding of him and his relationship because you know I know you knew him really well during that time but I was I mean not even his supervisor I was multiple like kind of levels uh, above him and kind of interacted with him from afar and I had I I think I had some notions of his relationship being a little bit more of like a daddy boy relationship. And I I just so appreciated having that really challenged, like my own misconceptions and judgments because his story around meeting his husband in this space actually had none of that quality to it. Yeah. It's actually two people just really seeing each other valuing each other and respecting each other. And so there's like my stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we always fill in the gaps. We fill in the gaps that we don't know. So it's nice to hear all of the details of how all of this works. And really what you're talking about with the power dynamic, he really flipped that power dynamic in that space. He was large and in charge in that space. Absolutely. Yeah. I love it so much. I wish I could be a go-go boy. (laughs) 
It sounds awesome. I want a fluffer. Come yeah, on. Yeah. Or at least like that experience that he had. Yeah. It was pretty. I'm so happy for him. I have a, is it a wait what? Well, you can decide what kind of segment this is. Okay. Because he was describing through the whole episode or really the second half, the term compersion. Have you ever heard this term before, this concept? I don't think so. Okay. It's, it's a big old word. Maybe I've heard it before, but I do not know the meaning. It is a big word. And I kept wanting to like yell out, you're experiencing compersion. Okay. I'm going to guess what it is. Can I guess? Yes. Okay. I'm going to guess that compersion is when you can experience joy from somebody else's joy. Oh, well, aren't you a smart? Oh, did I get it right? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So compersion (laughs) is a pretty radical concept that is sort of the opposite of jealousy. It's a term that's used Mm. a lot in non-monogamous communities, you're going to probably find it in like a whole bunch of books about open relationships. It's such a wonderful, first time I saw, learned about this term, I was like, oh, this is, I wish I could be, embody this more. I wish we all could. It's a wholehearted participation in the happiness of others. Oh, I got to remember this word. I'm going to forget it. Compersion wholehearted happiness in somebody else's wait say it again (laughs) a wholehearted participation Participation. in the happiness of others I love that when you experience joy from your loved one experiencing joy and you know as parents I think we experience I was going to mention that yeah I think I've most experienced that with my kids you get joy from like that is a relationship that society has deemed you know like we've been right and that it is okay to have that I mean I guess there's still that concept of ownership and parenthood still and some people really subscribe to that but particularly in the hierarchy of relationships with our intimate partners we Mm -hmm. often experience jealousy because we feel a level of ownership over them right but that is actually a conditioned response Mm. And he is describing this uh, experience that is quite radical, actually, because it's totally shunning ways in which we are programmed to have our intimate relationships, which is this made my partner happy. Right. Seeing him like a 17 year old boy chasing after his crush brought me great joy. Oof. I mean, that's pretty powerful. That is radical. And especially him earlier on talking about how he had assumed he was going to be monogamous and how he said it didn't feel good Mm -hmm. because it created situations of jealousy and cheating and all of those concepts that he just didn't want part of his life. So he made it, he really made, he made it happen. Yeah. He, He went for it. It was not only a really fun conversation, but I Mm -hmm. also found it very inspiring. Yeah, that was inspiring. I really enjoyed it. Oh, Mike. And (laughs) thank you for bringing him on the podcast. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. Um, And we hope you're enjoying the podcast and that you'll subscribe. Give us a review. Or email us at fyapod 
at gmail.com yeah. and let us know if you have any questions, if there's anyone you'd like us to interview. We want to hear from you. All right. Well, until next time, fuck, fuck yeah. Knocking them out of the park. Fuck Yeah podcast is produced and hosted by me, Sarah Tom Chesson, and Robin Jennings. Theme music is produced and performed by she, her, sir. You can find out more about what we're up to at fuckyeahpod.com or reach out directly at fyeahpod at gmail.com. If you're enjoying the pod, give us a hand. Rate review, subscribe, wherever you listen, and make sure to share it with a few friends. Thanks so much for tuning in.